Now listen, if you're a part of our church, man, or if you're new, I want to welcome you. We're actually in a series that, that really leads us up to Easter called The OG. Y'all know who the OG is by now? Who is it? It's Jesus. He's the OG. He's the original. If you don't like us uh, calling him an original gangster, I get it. Maybe you don't like that whole connotation. I just want you to know that before there were the Latin kings, there was the king of kings. That's why I'm saying he's the OG. You know, you know I, I like sometimes just to present Jesus in a little different light than maybe what you're used to in church because... I find that some people that maybe come to church and maybe you're here today because someone invited you, but you came full of doubts and skepticism about faith, about church, about religion and all those things. And I just want to say that's okay. Once I introduce you to Jesus and when you learn who Jesus is, here's what I know. You would love Jesus. Jesus is that awesome. People who did not like faith, who did not like church, loved Jesus when he walked on this earth. Now, I got to say on the flip side, there's some of you who come to church and you're super religious and you got all about your rules. And if everybody doesn't follow the rules that you've got, then you don't really like them. Let me just tell you, if you walked on the earth when Jesus lived, you wouldn't like Jesus. And I know that's hard. You're like, no, I love Jesus. I know. But here's the thing. In his day, the really religious people didn't like him because he would blow up their paradigms of what it meant to have faith in God. He would blow it up of what it looked like and what religion was to them. And so Jesus is the OG. He's the original. He's incredible. And we're taking the several weeks leading up to Easter just to dive into his story, to dive into his life, and really kind of just pull some truth for our lives. Amen? Come on, if you've got a Bible with your electronic device, I want you to open to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I'll give you a second to find it. We were in Mark last week. If you don't take notes, you should take notes. Do you know that we have a notes page, sermon notes that you can pick up uh, on your way into the auditorium where you can take notes and buy one of those little X binders? Keep them. I believe it will help you grow in your faith. But Mark chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. And uh, let me give the setting before I read this. Uh, if you were here last week, we were in Mark chapter 1. And Jesus performed this incredible miracle where he healed a guy with leprosy. You remember that? If you were here last week. And and, and, and when we get to Mark chapter 6, what you need to know is that Jesus had been doing all kinds of crazy things. He had been healing people. There's this one woman that had bleeding for 12 years. No doctor, no medicine could heal her. One touch. She touched Jesus' robe uh, one day in a crowd of people, and all of a sudden she was healed. One time Jesus actually took his, this girl, this 12-year-old girl who had died, and he brought her back to life. Now, this is crazy. Jesus is doing supernatural things that normal people can't do. And as he's doing that, listen, everything about him is going viral. He didn't need YouTube. Today you need YouTube to go viral, right? He didn't need that. Back then, his reputation preceded him. It went ahead of him. And that's where we find in Mark chapter 6, this is fascinating to me, that Jesus decides that he wants to visit his hometown. He decides some things have changed. Imagine word has gone ahead of him, and he's going to make a visit back to his hometown in Nazareth. You know Jesus was from Nazareth. I don't know if you knew that. Maybe some of you thought he was from Bethlehem. That's where he was born. But he grew up in Nazareth. And he goes back to his hometown. And all I can picture in my mind is, I, is I'm getting ready to read this to you. Mark chapter 6. I'm going to read it a minute. Jesus travels to his hometown. And all I can think of is when you hear about the stories of what Jesus is doing, right? And when you hear about Jesus going back to visit his hometown, all I can think about is American Idol. You know American Idol? Have you ever seen that show? They're on season 48 right now. I don't know if you noticed that. 
Um, I don't know if not Ryan Seacrest is, I don't know if he's like, he's using a cane. I mean, it's been on so long. And, and, and at the end of, of American Idol, the, the finalists get to go back to their hometown. And all of a sudden, they went from this singing show and being a nobody to being like the hero of the town. You ever seen that? Like they go back and they have this huge outdoor venue and that the mayor's giving the key over to this person and they're having a parade. And so all I can picture, Jesus is going back to his hometown. Can you imagine that? Like little old town of Nazareth, Jesus is going back there and all of a sudden it's like, all right, the key to the city and we're going to have a parade. We're going to start at, at Nazareth Elementary School. And then they took it with camels and donkeys through the town. And it's like, this is, a, oh, everybody's so excited. Like, he is the number one celebrity to come out of Nazareth. So I just wanted you to picture that setting. Let me read to you what, what happened in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says that Jesus left there. Then where, where is there? That was Capernaum. It was the Sea of Galilee. That was the area where Jesus did most of his ministry. That's where all the miracles were happening. It says Jesus left there and he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. It says that when the Sabbath came, they be, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. How cool would it have been to actually get to hear Jesus preach? I think, he, I think if Jesus were to walk into our church, I would just give him the microphone. Hello? He said this, um, where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? So what are these remarkable miracles he is performing? And then here's where they were confused. They were a little kind of just, they're a little confused because they're like, what's all this we hear? And his reputation's been coming, and it precedes him, and I heard about this miracle, and he raises dead girl to life, and all that. And then it says in verse 3, they said, but isn't this the carpenter? Like, isn't this the guy that worked on our front porch, Dad? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. You know what shocked me? I, I never noticed this. Like, all of Jesus' brothers' names started with the letter J. You, you guys do that sometimes. You're a family. Everybody starts with the letter K. Except for Simon. I thought, how awful did Simon feel about life? Do you know what I mean? There's Joseph, and then Joseph, they had Jesus, and then they have James, and they got another Joseph Jr., and then there's Judas, and then there's Simon. <laughs> Apparently, they ran out of good J names. You ever have that problem? You have so many kids? And you know he had sisters, too? I don't know if you know that. It said, aren't his sisters here with us? And there's Jane, and then there's Julie, and then Janine, and there's all these sisters as well. And it says, they took offense at him. They actually, they actually kind of were offended at him. Who does he think he is? And here's what Jesus said to them in verse 4. He said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his home. Verse 5, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Hmm. I've actually been to Nazareth. I don't know if you've been there. I'm not talking about, I think there's a city of Nazareth somewhere here in the U.S. Like there's Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm not talking about that kind. I, I've actually been to the Nazareth. It's this really small town. It's about 25 miles away from Capernaum and 
where Jesus was with his disciples, his entourage. And so Jesus felt like he needed to take them back home with him. I want you to meet my mom and my brothers, and I want you to see where I grew up. Jesus decides he's going to take them back to his hometown. And it's just this little farming village, population 380 or something. I don't know. It's a little town. And, and I'm just trying to picture in my mind what it was like for Jesus. Now imagine just news about him is reaching fever pitch. I'm just like, there is a buzz, not just in Nazareth, but every place in this region where people would travel through and Jesus was healing people and he was setting people free of, 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 of um, evil spirits and he's touching and healing. Some guy had a shriveled hand and he, Jesus said, reach it out and it was formed. And I mean, just the most incredible supernatural things are happening. They're going ahead of him. And it says, Jesus, he, he, goes, he goes back to his hometown and then here's what we discover. He goes to church. When he gets to his hometown, it's nothing like going to your hometown church where you grew up going to church. You ever done that? Like maybe the church where, where you were a kid, you kind of go back to visit. And so Jesus goes back to, to the synagogue, that was their church, on the Sabbath, which was the time when they went to church. That was Saturday. We go on Sunday, but they went on Saturday. And I was trying to picture because, you know, we have church and, 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 uh, and I preach at church. And so I literally was starting to think to myself, could you imagine if you were in charge of synagogue that week and all of a sudden Jesus and his whole posse his crew come in like and, and all, I mean I've been it was a little town little village small synagogue and all of a sudden it's like all these people are coming in and there comes Jesus and everybody's like oh my gosh oh my gosh that's Jesus he's uh, uh, he's been teaching he's been preaching he's been touching people that's Jesus that's Jesus could you imagine if you were in charge could you imagine if you were supposed to preach that weekend and Jesus walked in I'd be like heck no I ain't preaching I mean I I know he, he won't come physically walk in, but, but been in our day, it'd been like, like Billy Graham come walk in. If he ever came into our church when he was alive, he came into our church, I'd be like, I'm preaching today. <laughs> give him a mic. Just give one of your old ones. We'll all come to the altar. Just do that, you know? Bishop Jakes, T.D. Jakes. You ever heard that dude preach? He walks in, I ain't never preaching in front of Bishop Jakes. No way. So they invite Jesus. They're like, hey, why, why don't you say a few words, you know? And so Jesus gets up there and he, and he opens up the scroll of Isaiah. You know, that was their Bible. And he opens up the scroll of Isaiah and he begins to read from Isaiah 61. How do we know that? Because Luke actually recorded about this event as well. And Luke chapter 4, I want you just to hear what Jesus said because we already heard Mark told us that the people were amazed. Man, this, when he talks, it's like... And yet, here's what Jesus actually said because they were also kind of confused. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus opened up the scroll of Isaiah 61 and he read this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He, he has chosen me is basically what he was saying. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Imagine that, and then he closed the Bible, and he says, today is your lucky day. <laughs> That's basically what happened. I mean, now, this is a passage that many of them are familiar with. They knew this was a, a prophecy that was made about the Messiah, right? The problem that they had, because it says that they were amazed at what he said, but then they're also confused. They're asking questions. Right? We've heard all the things that he's done, but, but 
But how can this be? Because this is Jesus. We know Jesus. This is a Jesus. He, he came from our town. This is Jesus. He graduated from Nazareth High. Class of 12 AD. This is Jesus. We know Jesus. Bill, you went to school with Jesus. Right? Like, come on. Like, we all know this Jesus. And, 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 and yet he goes back and they just don't know how to handle him. They can't take it. Because they thought they knew him. I know what this is like a little bit. Just a little bit. Not, not, not like, not like miracle working Jesus like that kind of know this. But, but have you ever, have you ever kind of like known somebody you grew up with? And then it had been a lot of years since you've seen them. And then all of a sudden you run into them. And they're a little shocked and they kind of remember you like when you were this big. And they have a hard time. See, that's hard because I've had some of those people who knew me and grew up with me when I was in church or when I was just a kid come to my church. And now I'm preaching at them. And they knew me when I was six years old. We got some people that actually go to our church now that knew me when I was five and six years old. Do you know how hard it is to get past that? Like, do you know how hard it is? Because, like, man, when you are known when you're young and you're known one way and you got nicknames, and, and I had this nickname when I was a kid that everybody knew, and, and the, 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 I, was, I was Timmy No-No. Because my mom, she would call me Timmy. She's the only one that's allowed. We'll excommunicate you if you try to call me Timmy, just so you know. And, and she would call me Timmy No, no, stop, no. That's because I was a bad kid. And, and, uh, but I blame her for giving me that label because it stuck with me. And, and it's hard when people who knew me when I was a kid to come to a church and now I'm preaching to them. Like they don't know how to take that. You know? I, I was trying to picture what it was like for Jesus. And, and I guess one of the things that I just noticed about this story is that, that Jesus was so familiar to them. And I think sometimes this is the sad reality is that which is so familiar to us sometimes becomes so normal to us. Hello? Sometimes the things that are so close to us are the very things that we end up taking for granted the most. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that sometimes we can be so familiar with people, we can be so familiar with environments that sometimes we start not to regard them for what they really are or regard people for who they really are or what they are. Sometimes it can be so close you don't even see it. I, I, this past Monday, we um, celebrated my wife's birthday, turned 35 years old, and um, I don't know why you're laughing. You don't know what age she is, and I just, I just always make sure that she loves me, and so I, we're celebrating her birthday, and uh, we kind of got this tradition in our house that when it's, when it's your birthday, like kind of the rule is you don't do any work. That's a great, that's a good idea, isn't it? Like there's no work, and so when, when it's her birthday, you know, we're like, you know, when it's our kids, you know, when it's their birthday, we're like, you guys don't do any work today. And they're like, what's the difference? Because they thought, <laughs> you ever notice that with your kids? They don't, that's, this is like their birthday every day of the year. They just don't know it. But, but, but when you're a mom, you know, like, you know, you can't, she carries like really the bulk of what happens at our house, to be honest. And so on her birthday, we just, we're adamant. We're like, no, 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 we'll get you breakfast. No, what do you want for lunch? We'll make you lunch. We'll take you out, right? And so it was her birthday, and we're celebrating, just kind of low-key birthday at home. And, um, and I was like, she's like, what you making? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm going to the store. I'm going to buy the dinner, right? And so I was like, what do you want? And so she gave her order, and I went and picked up 
all the dinner and, you know, Starbucks and just trying to pamper her best I can. And, and so I bring it back to the house and I bring everybody's meal and everybody starts digging in except my wife. Her food's just sitting there. And she's running around, because this is what moms do. She's running around and she's picking up our kids' books and stuff off of the island. She's kind of organizing the mudroom, putting shoes back out in the garage where they really go, even though we fill the mudroom. It's just this game we play. Don't tell her. And then she's switching the laundry. And we're getting upset because it's our birthday. And, and we're, I'm feeling bad. And so I'm like, honey, stop. You don't need to just come eat your dinner. She was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. And she was like, I can't eat until all of it's put away. Do any of your moms feel like that? See, I don't even get that. Because for me, listen, hot food is always priority. I'm going to eat it when it's hot. We can always clean up later. And so she's like, I can't, I can't rest until I do that. And so we're getting mad because it's making us feel bad. I'm feeling really bad and it makes us look bad because she's over there and doing all this work on her birthday and she ain't supposed to be doing it. She got to reheat her dinner. And so we're like, I'm like, stop. And we're just getting mad at her. And we're like yelling at her on her birthday. And we're like, stop working. Stop doing it. And I said this to her. I said, when did you become so OCD? That's what I said to her. I said, when did... I said, when did you become so OCD? You were never like this when we first got married. And now you're crazy. I said, you're crazy about this. You're so crazy about the house has to be perfect all the time. We can't even live in it. Like, I know it's her birthday, but I was just, you know, it was one of those moments. And she, I was like, you were never like this before. And she looked at me and she said, oh, yes, I was. I said, no, I never saw you ever do that. She was like, because I cleaned up behind you every time. I, I was like, oh. Happy birthday. <laughs> it's your birthday. What can I do for you? Let me finish my meal and I'll clean up and you can. And uh, I, I, guess, I guess the point is that sometimes you can be so close to something special that you don't even realize what you have and take it for granted. Hello? Am I preaching right now? See, I, I feel that way sometimes about what God's doing in our church. You know, I, th I want many of you to remember the first time that you came to this church. And I'm not saying our church is better than any other church. Our church is perfect. We're definitely nowhere near that. But I do believe what God has been doing in our church is special. It's not something I grew up with in church. The way God's rescued people and the lives that have been changed and the baptisms that we've seen and everything. It's not normal. I didn't grow up with that, okay? The way we're doing church, the fact that we have a campus full of people in Lancaster right now that are receiving this exact same message the same time you guys are, like in what God has done in Lancaster from a campus. Like, this is not normal. And, and maybe some of us forget what it was like the first time we came in and we were just blown away at the excellence because excellence is our presentation. We believe the message of Jesus is so important that we're going to do it with excellence. Or when you were greeted in the parking lot and you were shown love that you maybe had never seen before. Or the way you came in and the environment was clean. It may not have been perfect, but it was clean. And when you heard music that was played, that it was some of the best music you've heard because we got some of the most talented musicians you've ever seen from the church. And so when you came in, and oh, by the the way you heard some of the best preaching you ever heard in your life hello that's i just curious i just curious if you were going to say anything that's all I was, you know and, and i think sometimes listen we can be so familiar and then all of a sudden we've been at church and it moved my life and we we think about how it's changed my kids and all this stuff and then after we've been at church for two years three years and it's just like oh yeah it's my church and all of a sudden we can take that which is special and it becomes so familiar to us. 
And all of a sudden, we don't regard it as special anymore. And I pray that we never take for granted the presence of God in our church every single weekend. I pray we don't take for granted the way God's changing lives. I pray we don't take for granted that we've seen as a church almost 5,000 people say yes to Jesus Christ. And we've seen over 1,200 people get baptized. I pray we never get tired of that. Because I fear that we celebrate a season party and everybody's like, eh, I don't think I'm going to go. Oh, video. Oh, they did baptisms again. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, hey, it's another one. I pray we never get used to that. The moment we get used to it and take it for granted, I bet God takes it away. The moment we take things for granted is the moment we tend to lose that which is special in our lives. We know that. I pray we never do. You know what I love about heaven? Heaven doesn't see it that way. I love this. You know why? Because Jesus told us sometimes we can be so amped up and we say, oh, how many people did God save this Easter? How many people did this? And listen, and, and, and then sometimes we go, oh, yeah, it was only three people last weekend. Oh, it was only six people. Oh, it was only one person. You know what the Bible said? You know what Jesus said? He said all of heaven throws a party and rejoices when one sinner repents. You know why? Because there is not taken for granted in heaven and it shouldn't be taken for granted in the church. And so I, I pray that you and me never take for granted what God's doing in our midst. I pray it never becomes normal, it never becomes ordinary, and it never becomes so familiar to us that we don't hold it in the highest regard. Because you know, you know what happens when you take someone or something for granted is you tend to end up losing it. That's why some of you would look back on a marriage that, that failed and recognize that maybe you or your spouse took you for granted. And have you ever noticed that the people that are closest to us tend to be the ones that get the worst of us? Have you ever noticed that? You ever heard this phrase, right? Um, maybe if you have, finish it for me. Familiarity breeds contempt. That, that sometimes we say things to our family members that we would never say to someone else's family members. That's sad, but it's true, isn't it? Let's be honest today. Sometimes we treat other people's kids better than maybe we've treated our own. Or we treat someone else's parents better than we've treated our own. Because sometimes what happens is when you are so used to faithfulness and you're so used to consistency in your life that you take it for granted. That's what we do sometimes, you know. We, we, we take each other for granted and we take our spouses for granted. And, and, and sometimes I've seen this in my life because I've lived in both perspectives that we take our parents for granted when I was younger now I'm a parent and I get it I took my parents for granted you ever take your parents for granted kids ever take you for granted you ever drive you crazy parents moms and dads when your kids take you for granted you know I had this idea I just I thought this is if you don't take any notes today you might want to write this down if you're a parent this would be so good I had this idea how we could teach our kids not to take us for granted because you know what we do is we take for granted consistency in our life we take for granted things that just come to us that we never even have to think about. And that's the way it is for our kids. And so I thought, what if we actually as parents would give our kids a bill every single week for what they cost us? <laughs> Hello, I bet they wouldn't take us for granted anymore. What if we gave them a bill for their share of the mortgage for their room? What if we gave them a bill for the water they use? for the electricity they use because they leave the lights on in their bedroom every freaking day and I have to go up there and turn them off and I don't understand how you can't flip a little switch on your... I'm sorry, that's just me getting it out. I'm sorry. I'm just using you all like a counselor today. I apologize. Like, 
All the food that they eat and the clothes that we buy them and the Uber rides we give them. Like, what if we gave them a bill every single day at the end of the week and then they look at us and like, how am I supposed to pay that? I got any money? You say, you know what? That's why I'm like Sally Mae. I'll give you a loan. When you graduate, you move out, you get a job, you can start paying it back with interest. This ain't a free ride. I guess what I'm saying is that that sometimes those who are closest to us be the ones that we take for granted the most. Hello? I wonder if sometimes we get too close to see it. I want, I want you to think about that for a moment. Do we ever get too close to see it? It's so close up and personal that we actually can't see what we have. We don't see who he is. You know, that's what happened in Nazareth. They were, they were so close to Jesus because they knew his story that they took him for granted. Oh, Jesus. This is, isn't he the carpenter? You see, they knew him as a teenager, so they couldn't receive him as the teacher. Hello? They knew him as a builder, but they couldn't accept him as the savior. They knew him as Joseph's son, but they couldn't receive him as God's son. So, so that the way that they framed him and the way they thought they knew him, they thought, I know him. He came from us. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. You know, that's what Nathaniel said. Nothing good comes out of Na Nazareth. How in the world can he be doing these things? I don't know that I even buy it or believe it. And can I just say, I hope that we never do the same thing with Jesus today. I hope we never get to a point where we are so close to the story of Jesus that it's so familiar because we grew up in Sunday school hearing all the stories that it's so close to us that we don't actually experience or have faith in him. I hope we never claim him like the people of Nazareth that, oh, Jesus of Nazareth, he's from our town. Yeah, we celebrate. We put a sign up, hometown of Jesus. I hope we never claim him, that, 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 like we claim him, but we don't have faith in him. I hope that never happens because, listen to me, I think one of the most dangerous places that we can live spiritually is in close proximity to the presence of God, but not really have the life-changing power of God in our own lives. I just want to say this. If I think one of the most dangerous places today that many people are living spiritually are actually in the church. You know, because we go to church because we grew up going to church and that's what we're supposed to do. That's what a good person does. Or we go to church because we feel bad about our lives. Or we go to church at Christmas time and we make sure we go to church at Easter time. And we're so familiar, I pray we're not so familiar, oh, I know the Christmas story, Jesus. I know the Easter story, Jesus. I make sure not to miss those, but we don't know him personally in our lives. I pray that. And honestly, as a pastor, that's probably one of my greatest fears, is that I can... I can present who Jesus is and I can preach the gospel and I can talk about the transformation power that comes through Jesus and we can have people who will come every single week and sit and listen but never experience that truth in their own lives. You know why I, I fear that? Because that was my story. That's why I fear it. It was my story. You know, I, I used to think I didn't have much of a story to tell. You know, you, you hear some people that have like these powerful testimonies. You know, grew up and dropped out of school, and, you know, track marks on their arms and living in a crack house and 
all of a sudden, you know, Jesus just appeared to them one night, and they left it all behind, and, and began the evangelism ministry the next day, and have seen 100,000 people come to, you know, it's like, wow, that's an awesome story. That's not like my story. And, and so I used to feel like I didn't have much of a story because here's the thing. I wasn't someone who was actually too far away from God. My problem was I was so close that I actually fooled myself. Because I grew up in church. Maybe some of you did. I, I, I was around it every day. I had parents who were pastors, so you think I didn't hear it all the time. I went to Christian schools my entire life until I was in 10th grade. You know, you know, Bible class, that's not an elective in Christian schools. That's a requirement. And I had all kinds of, I knew all the answers. I've been through it so much, and I, heard, I got all the answers. You just ask a question, and I got answers for it, and I had an understanding, and I knew Bible verses, and I could quote verses to you, and I could pray in front of people, and I, I could do all that stuff. I've been around it all my entire life. I was so close to it that I fooled myself into thinking that I was good. And it wasn't until I was 17 years old where I had an encounter with Jesus where I, all of a sudden this revelation I feel like maybe the people of Nazareth needed where they're like, oh, we know Jesus. Oh, I thought I knew Jesus. And then I had this mind-blowing revelation of who he was, and it wrecked me. And it wasn't until I, I had that moment and I really surrendered my life fully that I began to see things change in my life. And, and it's my fear that there are maybe so many people sitting in my church that your story is like my story. And, and, and you're like, I claim him, but there's no evidence that he really is your Lord. You live life how you want to live it. You do what you want to do. You ignore the Bible. You, just, you come to church and feel good for a second, but you don't ever put into practice what you hear. And it's just like, I don't know, you're just kind of going through the motions. And, and it's my fear that that's a lot of people, that we could be like Nazareth, so close to Jesus and completely miss who he really is. And what the people of Nazareth did was it says that they took offense at him. Who are you to come back here with your entourage? Almighty looking, walk into our church where you grew up in, unroll scrolls and say, I am this one. Who are you to do that? And instead of treating him with honor, you know, throw a parade, Jesus comes to his hometown. Instead of treating him with honor, they treated him with hostility. And I fear sometimes that maybe we could have people in our lives, maybe even the presence of God, maybe even the house of God, that we might treat as common rather than treating it with the respect and the honor that it deserves. In fact, I see this thing in our culture today, and it kind of bothers me. And I think sometimes I've been a part of it. You, you know, we're so casual today in church. We're so casual today in life. And I like, I'm not talking about dressing casual. Because I like doing dressing casual. I think that's okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our spirit toward people. I'm talking about our attitude toward God. I'm talking about our, the way we are posture ourselves toward the house of God. The word of God. Toward the people of God. I just, I, I see it sometimes where we're so casual, we're so comfortable with people that we aren't really 
a society where we give honor where honor is due. Do you know that we're commanded in Scripture to give honor to where honor is due? Romans 13, 7 says. We're to give honor to those whom honor is due. And, and, I, and I don't know if it's just me, and I'm not trying to be that old dude who's like, oh, back in my day, we used to respect elders, and today, these young people, I'm not trying to be that guy. And that's all I'm saying. Because I saw it in my generation, too. I saw my generation, and I've seen it in this next generation, and I just fear where it's going, where we have young people who actually aren't honoring their parents like Scripture tells us to, that will dishonor our parents, maybe not in front of them, but behind them, that somebody else will disrespect them. I see that happen today. I think maybe we dishonor and disrespect teachers, young people. But it's not just the young people. I see what's, what I've seen is in my generation, it grow into older people. And I see today people that do not honor, respect their bosses at work. Yeah, they might do it if their boss says, but the moment they walk out of the room, start talking about her to everybody else. That is not an honoring thing. This is the culture we have today. This is why we say a value here is honor is our posture because there is something powerful that happens when we honor. You don't maybe even realize the extent of the power when we honor. That's why Jesus makes this big statement in all of this where they, they're confused, they're offended, and Jesus says this, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Except for those who are close, his family. Do we honor our spouses the way we should? Do we honor our authority like we should? I see that in our culture today. Governors, mayors, presidents. Well, I don't like them. Talking bad about them, not respecting them or the authority they hold. Do you know that the Bible teaches us that all authority is given by God? There is no authority established except by God. Well, I don't like him. I don't care. You can still honor what has been placed over you, even if it's someone you don't, someone you don't agree with. Do you honor spiritual authority over you? Do, do we honor it today? You say, is it that big of a deal? I mean, is it just like being nice? Like, I'll be nice to their face. That's not what honor is. Honor is something that you give somebody. And we think, is this that big of a deal? I actually think it is. I actually think that a lack of honor might actually hinder God's power. In fact, if you don't believe me, I'm not making that up. I want to read you one last verse. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Peter is actually talking to husbands. And so guys, listen up. But I think it's important for all of us to really catch the, the power in this when you think about Mark chapter 6. Here, here's what Peter wrote. He said, in the same way, so he had just got done talking to wives, and I skipped that part. We'll save that for Tuesday night, girls. In the same way, you husbands must give what? Everybody say it out loud, must give. That was pretty lame. Man, we ought to be really stepping up. Come on, help me out, Lancaster. In the same way, you husbands must give what? Honor to your wives. What does this have to do with it? Just listen. Honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. I know some of you take offense at that. That's... That's just uh, physically talking about. Now, I have met some wives that are stronger than her husbands. If that's you, you need to do some push-ups. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. It says, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. I love how, how this is phrased. 
equal partner in God's gift of new life. Now listen, treat her as you should. This is so important. So that your prayers are not what? Wait, you mean there are things that I've been praying for and asking God to do that I have not seen him do? And it very well could be the way I am actually treating my spouse? Yes. We don't even realize what honor does, how honor releases things. We don't understand, even in the spiritual world, the power of honor sometimes. And so in this moment, I believe what Peter's showing us and what Jesus says, he says this in verse 5 of Mark 6, it says that Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hand on a few and heal, heal a few. Not that he didn't want to. I wondered how much it broke Jesus' heart to go back to his hometown. The people that he grew up with, the people that he saw hurting, the people, and, and now he's released in ministry to go back and heal and touch the people that he cared about so much. And when he gets there, it literally says he can't do many miracles at all. Wouldn't it be crazy to think that the way we operate, how we honor, how we honor God, how we honor his house, how we honor our spouse, how we honor our parents, how we honor other people can literally affect whether or not we experience the very things that we're praying for. And Jesus said he was amazed at their lack of faith. And I was deeply convicted by this to think, I need to make sure in my life that I'm honoring people around me and more so that I'm honoring Jesus as king. He's not my bud. He's not my pal. I'm not so casual about Jesus. People take his name in vain like it's a swear word. I don't do that. Jesus died for me. He is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. Jesus is the Son of God. And when we begin to live our lives with that reflection, when we don't take for granted the grace of God, I pray you never take for granted the grace of God and what that means in your life. I pray you never take for granted the mercy of God and think it's old news when His mercies are new every single day and I need His mercy every single day in my life. I pray we never take for granted the presence of God or the opportunity to come and worship every single Sunday to lift him up no matter how I feel because if we will do that and we will honor him I believe it could actually open the way for us to experience his power and his miracles in our life today amen church amen would you bow your heads and pray with me father I just thank you for your word I thank you God for sending your son Jesus and I pray right now God that your Holy Spirit would just convict our hearts if we have treated you if we've treated the house if we've treated your word with anything less than the honor it deserves. I pray, God, right now, I just pray for every person in our church, and I pray there's someone watching this now, maybe in Lancaster, somebody who's listening to this in a podcast. I believe, Father, somebody that's going to hear this, that is going to be convicted, God, that, that maybe we've been close in proximity, but not experienced it internally. Father, I pray right now that, God, you would reach down and you would reveal your son Jesus to us. Listen, as we're praying, I just wonder if maybe someone here today, someone in Lancaster, if you're watching this, someone that you have been close to this your entire life. But as you look at your life and you're honest today, there's been no real change. We can claim, I believe in him, but yet still not know him in a personal way. And I just... 
I pray that if God is just quickening your heart right now, that maybe you could just reach out to him and say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I just want to lead you in that. If that's you today, I just want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Say, God, today, I realize I've taken for granted who you are and what Jesus did for me on the cross. I, I, I know I believed with my mind, but I have not surrendered my heart and my life to you. And now in this moment, Jesus, I ask you to fill my life. I ask you to change me. I'm not going to take for granted who you are. I, I'm not going to take for granted what you've done what you're doing in my life right now. And so in this moment, God, the sincerity of my heart, I want to I give you the honor as my Lord and my Savior, and so I give you my life today. We pray these things together as his family. And all of God's people said, come on, let's praise him for his word today, man.